Thank you, Kirk. Good morning, everybody, and good afternoon to those of you that are on the East Coast, and thank you for joining us for today's Ask the Expert program. Dr. Galante treats Invisalign patients in her private practice in the beautiful Sacramento area. She received both her dental and orthodontic degrees from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also served as a clinical instructor in the orthodontic department. She is a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics and was a featured speaker at the 2011 Invisalign Forum for Orthodontists. So without further ado, let me turn the program over to Dr. Galante. Dr. Galante, you now have the floor. Thank you, and I want to thank everyone who's um, online today for attending. I know it, it's um, having done these webinars myself and been, a, been an attendee, it's, um, I appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your very busy schedules, and I promise it will be worth your time. So let's get started. Um, again, Gideon introduced me as being a um, diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics and a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. And I'm um, proud to be an orthodontist, and I have to say that it is uh, an honor to be able to speak with you folks today. And I'm going to share with you why we chose Invisalign as our appliance of choice and how we did it. I'm going to actually go into some details on how it has changed our practice. And at the very end, kind of challenge you to maybe take a look at your practice and maybe take it to the next level as well with Invisalign. And I'm not going to go over too much about my background. I, um, I do want to mention that um, besides uh, my orthodontics and my practices, I, I, I'm an author. I've written a, several books. Uh, Power Principles for Success is my, one of my more recent ones in 2009. And I also just finished writing a book that I use in my practice for my patients called Healthy and Beautiful at Any Age, Your Smile and Mo Modern Orthodontics. I have two kids. And you'll see us here in Venice over the summer. And I always say I, I work to travel. Travel is my passion. And we're going to get started. So why Invisalign? And I'm going to share with you basically there were four things that occurred. And this basically happened in 2007, 2008 that made me kind of look at Invisalign more closely. And for those of you that are listening to this, I want you to be thinking about even like why you even, you know, called in today to listen because the reality is if if you're thinking of pursuing more Invisalign in your practice, the why is a, is a big part of it. And for us, there were really four major factors and here they are listed, local, uh, the local economy here in the Sacramento region, uh, increased competition, practice profitability, and then the last thing was uh, I really wanted to improve the quality of our patients' experiences. So I'm going to go into detail. So back in 2007, uh, we, were, uh, we had grown out of one of our office locations, and we decided we were going to move. We bought a building, spent a bunch of money on new TIs, and pretty much doubled our space. And Literally, in 2008, the, within like six months of moving into this no, location, the 2008 economy, at least in the Sacramento area, uh, crashed and burned, basically. And we had unemployment in California of 12%. I mean, that number really hasn't changed a whole lot, and, and depending on what newspaper you read, it could be even more than that. Sacramento was in the is in uh, it continues to be in the top four housing markets for foreclosures, and even to this day in the Rockland Roseville area, which is where our main office is, uh, there's a 50% commercial vacancy rate. So things just changed literally overnight, and I joke about the phone stopped ringing. It really did. It it just stopped ringing. In fact, I used to go home at night and call my office just to make sure that we were had paid the phone bill because I, I just literally had stopped ringing. And we were just kind of wondering, well, what had happened? And that was a, a big factor in us looking at, well, what else, what else do we need to be doing to generate some new patients and some interest in orthodontics? The second thing that occurred was it just increasing competition. And for some of you that are listening to this, this may be one of your whys that are causing you to look at Invisalign. When I moved into the Rockland, uh, Roseville area, 
we had maybe within about a six-mile radius of our initial office, but maybe 10 orthodontists practicing back in 2000. And if you count all those little uh, Google Places dots, it's 29 within six miles or less. And that's just orthodontic offices. I'm not even talking about the uh, general dentists that are doing some orthodontics as well, because as the economy turned, it turned for everybody, including all my colleagues out there in the, in the general dentistry market, and they started to do the six-month braces, the fast braces, the three-month braces. I used to joke pretty soon there was going to be 24-hour braces, you know, get them on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. and come back on Wednesday at 9 and get them off. But I, it, it just became um, increasingly difficult to set ourselves apart because the, the whole what I call the bracket market was becoming saturated and patients were coming in very knowledgeable about um, different types of brackets and wanting to understand why there was such a, you know, the daemon versus, you know, this other self-ligating systems versus uh, brackets that just had the colors on them. So it it was, we were spending a lot of time talking about the type of brackets we were using and realized that it, for most people who were looking for orthodontics, they felt like bracket was a bracket was a bracket. And we wanted to be different and not kind of go where all the other fish were going. So for us, that was a huge, huge reason to look at Invisalign. At least in my community, uh, there was not a big Invisalign presence back in 2007, 2008. And because I had a lot more free time all of a sudden because the phone stopped ringing, I started to um, educate myself a bit on marketing and kind of learning, well, what do I need to do to um, get more new patients in the door? How am I going to handle this this drop in business? And I've been in practice at that point about 22 years, and I've been through some ups and downs for sure, but never really experienced something so, uh, such a tremendous crash and burn so quickly. One of my favorite books, The Purple Cow uh, by Seth Godin, at the time I was reading this book, and these were some of the three things that kind of stuck in my head and a lot of this information I was kind of just, you know, reading and kind of thinking and trying to figure out what to do next. And one of the things that really got me thinking about Invisalign is uh, the way you break through the mainstream is to target a niche instead of a huge market. And just like I had mentioned before about trying to compete with everybody doing uh, braces or brackets, I felt like, well, there's a niche here with Invisalign that could be um, tapped into. And... Also, I was I subscribed to all the, the great publications that we have in orthodontics. The JCO is one of my favorites. And this article kind of hit me in the face in 2009 that the most monetarily productive offices perform the most Invisalign treatment. And another article that was done by the JCO in January pretty much kind of said the same thing, that practices with the highest revenue – were using Invisalign on over 27% of their cases. And at that point, we had been using Invisalign since 1999, but certainly it wasn't that, it wasn't 27% of our practice. So more things that kind of, kind of hit me in the face about, well, why Invisalign? And I was definitely not in the, you know, I, I definitely had this mindset that there's no way that teenagers are going to even you know, wear these aligners, and most teens, they want braces. That's what all their friends have. And what was interesting is that I was reading a, a market survey that Invisalign had put out, and it says here teens want Invisalign and prefer Invisalign 7 to 1 over braces. And that really struck me because that wasn't really my experience back then. And my mindset was, wow, you know, I can't get these teenagers to brush their teeth and wear the rubber bands. How on earth am I going to get them to wear aligners? And my thought pattern was, and again, I've been practicing 22 years or so by that point, you know, wow, uh, there's no way they're going to wear these things. So <clears throat> some of these, um, some of this reading and, and, and all this information, I was, I was kind of digesting it and studying it. And I also was thinking that, you know, when you, you have these, like Dr. Kleinrock's paper, he was talking about teens being treated with Invisalign, how much more profitable it was. 
And again, and some of you out there listening to this, I know for us, you know, we, we were getting busier and busier and busier and each year just growing, growing, growing like crazy. But when I would look at the end of the year, you know, my accountant would look at the numbers and say, gosh, Donna, you know, you're, 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 your volume is increasing, you're, you're making more money, but so is your overhead increasing. So the bottom line is we were working a lot harder, but there wasn't at the end of the year a whole lot of extra money showing for it because as we got busier, our overhead increased. And I saw this white paper and I thought to myself, wow, you know, per visit, his teens in his practice are basically much more profitable than his fixed appliance cases. So these are the things I was looking at to try to figure out uh, the direction we should go. And the fourth piece was wanting to improve the quality of our patients' experience. And as we got busier and busier, and the afternoons got crazier and crazier, because I don't know, at least in California, and I'm thinking it's the same way across the country, most patients love to come in after school. And our after-school time frames um, from 3 till about 5, 5.30 were just crazy. And we found that we were having trouble getting patients scheduled. Patients were getting upset when we asked them to come in the morning to repair broken appliances. And I hired, we ended up having a, um, a patient of mine who actually was is the um, vice president for sales and marketing uh, for SureWest, a telecommunications company here in Roseville, who actually offered to do the survey uh, for us. He was an Invisalign patient of mine and just loved Invisalign. And he set this two-part survey up for us, and it was based on about 250 surveys. The first part of the survey was, you know, what is important to you and your family when choosing an orthodontist? And then the second part was, well, how are we doing with those things? So we actually handed it to the parents as they came in or the adult patient as they came in, and they filled it out and just put in a little box that we had in our reception area. So it wasn't an online. It was actually they physically filled it out. And when he tabulated the results, at least in our practice in California in the Sacramento area, the top four things, these were the most important things that were statistically significant to our patients, that the final orthodontic result was at or beyond their expectations. Number two, they wanted to make sure the doctor was available at each visit to discuss progress with them. Number three, the patient was seen on time. And then number four, problems like broken brackets were handled quickly and efficiently. So those were the four top things. And if you notice... There's, not, there's really no mention about the cost of treatment or the financing. And, again, we did this in 2008. So that's when, you know, the economy had really, in our community, had really uh, fallen off a cliff, so to speak. And when we looked at this, I, I thought for sure that there would be an issue about financing or costs, but it didn't even come up in the top four, and it was not statistically significant. And when we were rated on what was what we were doing or how we were doing all these, number three, we basically uh, got a D on it. We got A's on one, two, and four, but a D on three. And I think because we were very – we were one of – we would have a broken bracket at 4.30, we would just fix it. And then, of course – Rather than uh, reschedule the patient, we'd fix it, which then would make the patient that was supposed to be in that chair at 445 not be seen sometimes till maybe 5 or 515. So I wanted to improve that, and we really focused on how we could become more efficient with scheduling, more efficient with um, chair time, and it just started to make sense that wow, with Invisalign, you'll have the ability to, you know, not have these emergencies because you don't have the broken brackets. You're able to, we're able to schedule patients further out. And because we don't have to have, um, you know, a lot of chair-side time repairing a wire that's broken or a bracket, we could be much more efficient. So I'm going to share with you now basically what happened. So, you see like kind of my thought pattern and the processes I went through to decide to bump up our Invisalign practice. I'm going to kind of share you, well, what happened since 2008? What, what really occurred in our practice? 
And the first thing is just kind of a quick overview. 2009, about 20% of our practice was Invisalign. In 2010, it more or less doubled. And then we, uh, again, uh, doubled again last year. And at this point in our practice, if I would take out, you know, people always ask me, well, the 62% is that, what are you including in that? I'm including everything, including our phase one patients, of, of which we do some early treatment with expansion if needed. But basically, I'm including all patients who come into the office and actually get started with treatment. If I actually pull it out, the number would be 99% uh, adult Invisalign and close to 52% uh, teen Invisalign. So it's quite uh, substantial now. And from 2009 through 2011, our practice grew 39%. And all the revenue was from Invisalign starts. And, and we can see that because on our, on our statistics, in our office, you, know, you can see, uh, you can see that our, our basically all of our comprehensive cases with with fixed appliances was pretty flat those those years, but the Invisalign starts just were the basically is where all the growth came from, and we actually increased our new patient volume 27 percent. Um, this is I think an interest one, and this is something we look at the average patient value and. What that number is, is when a patient comes into our office and gets um, treated, you know, has a, a orthodontic treatment in our practice, look at all the patients in a year, look at our gross production just divided by the number of patients that actually started. We noticed in, in 2011 we had a, a $500 um, per average patient value increase because we had actually um, raised our fees that year and we were increasing our starts despite the economy that still is not in the best situation here in California, and we still had patients starting and paying more. Because I think, personally, they see the value in the Invisalign. Our payroll decreased 30%. Now, most people ask this question all the time, well, how the heck did that happen? So when we were uh, in 2008, when things were had kind of hit the wall, for us, not only did it affect uh, our practice, but it affected my employees. Um, I had six uh, staff members whose um, spouses, either their spouse lost their job and they had to move out of the area. I had two specific employees who were um, decided to just go back to school and, and get into a different field, so they left. And we just lost about six to seven employees from between 2009, between 2008 and 2009. And because we started shifting over to Invisalign and we became much more efficient, I just didn't need to rehire them. In the past, we would have had to rehire all of those positions. Some of those positions were clinical and some were administrative. And we just didn't have to, we just, I didn't replace anybody. So it wasn't like I let a bunch of people go I didn't. It was just a natural attrition that occurred due to some local economic factors that affected these um, these women and their families. So our payroll dropped. The supplies that makes sense because if we're doing more Invisalign, we're not all, we're not ordering brackets, bands, wires, and all the auxiliaries that you need for fixed appliances. So the decrease in orthodontic supplies you know, makes a lot of sense. We just don't order as many brackets and bands anymore as we used to. So looking at, so that was the economic benefits. If we look at the practice benefits, and this to me, um, I this to me was just as important from a quality of life standpoint. We, you know, we had definitely fewer emergency visits, less broken wires, less broken brackets, oral hygiene problems more or less uh, have gone away with patients in Invisalign. We were able to be much more efficient with our appointment scheduling. As we schedule our aligner patients who are doing really well with the aligners, they're seen every 8 to 12 weeks rather than 4 to 7 with fixed appliances. And we use a, um, a self-ligating system 
But we still saw our patients more or less in that time frame, uh, four to seven weeks with the fixed appliances on. Um, one thing we've noticed is that our patients are willing to travel to see us because of Invisalign. I, I mean, we get adults that come in who travel for business. I have several adults that have uh, companies in, in Europe, and they, they spend half the year in Europe and half the year here. And there's no way I could have ever offered them uh, fixed appliances when they're gone for three months at a time. And that's really been... Um, an interesting kind of niche because when you have these adults that are interested in improving their smiles and they don't want braces and they can't possibly even manage, you know, fixed appliances based on their travel schedule, it has really been um, a great benefit to our practice because it's a lot of word of mouth travel. I mean, a lot of word of mouth referrals from other people in their company that do a lot of traveling as well. And one of the biggest things that changed was we were seeing about 80 patients a day, and on average now we're somewhere around 50 to maybe 55 patients a day. And I get this question a lot when I do some study clubs, and a couple doctors have asked me, well, gosh, you know, my schedule isn't full enough yet. I mean, I need more patients in the door. And I, I understand that. I, I do understand that. But what happens is when you start focusing on Invisalign or giving people what they want, which is Invisalign, they don't really, they're not that excited about having braces on their teeth. They all want straight teeth, but when you give them what they want, the patients will find you and you will have a practice that, although it appears that you're not filling your time slots, you'll be much more profitable and much more efficient working in an environment where there's less patients coming in, but you're making more money. And I don't know about you, but I I really enjoy, one of the things I enjoy the most about practice is being able to have a time to chat with patients, chat with the parents, not feel so rushed, and really give people um, some really good care and attention and kind of a feeling of community in our office, whereas in the past when you have so many patients coming through the door, sometimes it's really hard to really get to know your patients because you have, an, uh, we call them activation appointments, where the wires are activated or you're changing some colors or rubber bands, and it's it's hard to really sit down and, and, and get to know your patients because you have to move from chair to chair so rapidly. So this was huge. And when I give some talks sometimes, um, I've done some study clubs, and there's staff in the um, – there's staff in the study club, and when I talk about the payroll decrease, a lot of them, I think, kind of get a little panicked. And I I try to assure them that in the long run, it's not so much that, you you know, you're all going to lose your jobs. It's more that the price become more efficient, and there will be more opportunity to have um, actually an easier day. And I'm going to share with you, I actually had some of my team members um, they wrote these. these. These are quotes from my practice uh, team. Here's my uh, practice administrator who's handling pretty much everything at the front desk. And, you know, you can read through it, but basically, you know, her bottom line was that um, we're, we can – our appointment times are much shorter. It gives us more flexibility. We don't have any more phone calls. You know, at the end of the day, you know, my bracket broke. What's wrong with your glue? Um, you know, it's just been for the scheduling people up at the front desk. Just it makes their life so much easier. They don't have to ask Mrs. Jones to take uh, John out of school to repair a bracket um, because there's no reason to do that anymore when you have aligners. You're not going to have those broken brackets. And then from a clinical standpoint, uh, Cindy, who's uh, been with me for uh, 12 years, but she's been in orthodontics 25 years, um, she says, it's made my job easier. There's little uh, emergency appointments. She she likes it because she doesn't have to um, spend a lot of time restocking um, brackets and bands. Um, she says that our patients are very excited with Invisalign, and that is very true. They are very excited, even from day one. And I don't know about you, but when you put braces on patients, while they may be excited about it, they're also kind of sore for a few days, and they're certainly not um, talking about, you know, what a great experience they're having at that moment, 
and sending patients your way, whereas I've literally had patients who got their aligners on and the next day, you know, referred another family member in for an Invisalign consultation. And that's that rarely happens with brackets. It usually takes about 18 months or two years when you finish your case and everybody's really happy about getting them off and they love their new smile when you have an opportunity to get those referrals. The Invisalign, you get them immediately and all through the treatment because all through the treatment, they're excited. They are just really jazzed about having this phenomenal opportunity to have a beautiful smile without having to wear braces. And uh, one more, Carolyn, another another um, registered dental assistant and ortho assistant. She's been in dentistry 20 years and working with us for the last 10 she was really nervous. I know a lot of my staff, when I told them we were going to start um, using uh, Invisalign on teens, I think they all just kind of rolled their eyes and thought, oh, my goodness, you know, we're in trouble here. And she even said, I was somewhat skeptical myself at first. I was concerned that the compliance might be an issue. Well, they proved me wrong. I believe they're so happy to have this option that they work extra hard to be responsible. And I think that... You know, she, she. I know in the beginning when we first were going to start doing this, there was definitely some um, reticence from my staff, and I just share that with the doctors on the line, because sometimes you you want to make some changes in the practice and you want to do some things that are new and different, and there are some skills that they're going to have to develop and learn, and they start to think, oh my gosh, this is more work for me, and I. I know that if you can, they can push through some of the learning curves, learning how to take the PVS impressions, you know, learning how to place the attachments. It's like she says here, I love them. Invisalign makes my job so much easier. So I share those team testimonials because sometimes if you go back to your team and you're telling them you're going to do all this new stuff, they kind of look at you and say, oh, no, the doctor has another crazy idea again. We did a little um, kind of a mini efficiency example in my office just to for me to see if I had um, an Invisalign team patient versus a braces team patient. I try to compare the same type of case. So they both – so class 1 deep bites, lower anterior crowding kind of cases. And what we found was on average the total treatment time looking at – I looked about uh, 10 cases each, so it was a small sample, about two and a half hours of treatment time for that Invisalign teen patient, zero SOS visits. The braces patient, it was almost uh, nine hours total treatment time with four extra visits. So you can see how you will have more available chair time with Invisalign and how you will be much more efficient and profitable with those teen cases. And the the trick, and it's not that much of a trick actually, is to get them to wear it, but it, it's really not that hard. It, they are very excited. They um, will wear them. I've, we were all kind of blown away at how well the teenagers cooperate with the aligners because the reality is they really didn't want the braces at all in the beginning at all anyway so giving them this option they know that they kind of they kind of lucked out and scored that their parents are giving them this opportunity so that's kind of putting everything in perspective why we decided to look at Invisalign and how it impacted our practice and for those of you again that are listening and you know you kind of think about why are you on this call today you know why why do I want to um, use more Invisalign, what are my reasons? And then depending on where you are, it, it could be economics, it could be a competition thing for you, it could be just a, a, a quality of life in your practice that you're ready to make some changes. And I certainly, after I'm in, been in pra- I've been in practice now 26 years, I was ready for change. And I was, you know, there's a certain point, and some of you that are listening may understand, there's a little bit of a burnout that can occur with um, orthodontics and just kind of doing the same thing day in and day out. So when we made the decision to really focus our attention on Invisalign, we had to really 
set some goals as to what we were going to do. And we did wanted we wanted to get better at using Invisalign because we were not handling very difficult cases. We were doing some of the easy class one cases, um, treatment that we knew we could be successful with. And we were not using it very much on any teen patients at all. It was mostly just an adult appliance. So our goals were we wanted to start recommending Invisalign to all our adults and, and the teens that we felt were a good candidate for Invisalign. We wanted to get more education. We wanted to get to the elite level as quickly as possible. And we wanted to really focus our practice brand um, as the place to go for Invisalign. So first thing we had to do was go back to school and get some education. And this included not just my husband and myself, but uh, our staff as well. And we we got them signed up on staff accounts. You can go to Align Tech Institute and, and get some free CE. I call it CE in your jammies. It's it's really easy. My staff was excited about it because they were able to do it, you know, any time of the day. They all needed some CE credits and because they didn't have to go anywhere, they could just do it in the comfort of their home or even at the office at certain times of the day that we set aside for some continuing education online. You're on a live webinar today. There's they offer these great uh, webinars. If you can't get on a uh, live call, you can go back and listen to it. I've done that on numerous occasions. We attended every single CE seminar that we could drive to within three to four hours of our primary office location, and we still do that. I, there's, I, I, even though I feel at this point we can handle almost every single possible case out there with aligners, I never miss the opportunity to hear a doctor speak on Invisalign. As I know, I will come out of that seminar, even if it's just one tip that I didn't know before I got there, that's going to make a big improvement. So we continue to attend the CE. We, um, we got in touch with our local territory manager, told them our goals, and let him know that this is what we want to do. What can you do to help us? Staff needed some training on PVS. They came in and helped us. And I think one of the biggest things is the last point, you really have to change your mindset. And that's probably one of the toughest things to do, to think aligners first when treatment planning a case. And that confidence comes when you start getting educated and start seeing what's possible. Because it, you know, you don't. I know I'm the same way. I don't want to tell a patient I can guarantee some sort of result unless I really feel comfortable. I can do that. I've been practicing too long to want to experiment anymore on my patients. I I just want to be able to do a case and know with confidence that we're going to get the result. Obviously, as long as they wear the aligners, do their part in in the treatment as well, but. Based on the fact that they're going to do their part, I want to make sure I can give them the result that they're looking for. And the only way you're going to start feeling confident in doing that is is really getting yourself educated and attending all the CE opportunities that are available, and they provide a ton of them for you. And some of them you don't even have to you know get on the airplane, which is great. Second thing was the, getting your staff on board. I talked a little bit about this. I, I have to say my... My team, you know, they were they weren't that hard to get on board because they saw what was happening. They saw other staff members that, you know, had to leave, had to move to Wisconsin or had to move to North Dakota or wherever they were going, mostly because of spouse you know, spouses losing their jobs. They saw what was happening. So I think they were up for it. They were like, Yeah, we gotta do something different, otherwise we're gonna be without a job or we're going to be without a place to practice. So I think we set a big goal that they had to get to a certain we had to get to a certain level and and if they did that we'd all get to go to Vegas in November to the Invisalign summit. And that certainly got everybody excited because everybody loves a trip to Vegas for some CE and some fun. Um we took them to every single CE seminar that we could again drive to. And we, you know, paid for the hotel room, you know, provided them the CE seminars. They loved it. 
it was a great team building as well. Didn't have to get on an airplane, just drove somewhere for three hours maybe down to San Jose or um, wherever we needed to go. Got them all staff accounts. And again, we got in touch with our territory manager and they came and did some training. So that was the education piece. And then it came down to the marketing piece because we still needed to figure out how we were going to get the phone ringing again because it had stopped ringing. And we really need, and that, this is where some of my um, free time, because things had kind of slowed down for us, I really became a student of marketing like I never thought I would. And what I discovered that um, with all the study I did on marketing and branding, came up with basically four separate strategies to market our practice and generate interest and excitement about Invisalign or just orthodontics in general, to be honest with you. So I'm going to go over these four different areas in a little bit more detail. And the question comes up when I do these study clubs, well, what was the, what was the best thing you did, doctor? What was the absolute best thing? And I'll be honest with you, I don't have a, the silver bullet or the just the one thing that you absolutely positively have to do. And again, depending on you know where you are in the United States or where your practice is located, some of my strategies may not work for you, um, and some of my strategies are just you know you're not even interested in doing, and that's okay. Um, I think. We have probably at any one time about 40 different marketing pieces in operation. And while that sounds excessive, um, it also is part of what we needed to do to get to where we are today. And you, the doctor, I know are thinking, oh, my gosh, now she's, she's telling me to learn how to use Invisalign. Now i got to study marketing. i got to go get an MBA in marketing. And honestly, you really don't have to. Um, I enjoy marketing. I enjoy, I've grown to really love it. It's actually very creative and it's very fun. But certainly, some of what I'm going to share, you, you can just hand over to somebody in your office or you can hire a marketing expert or you can do some of it yourself or turf a lot of it. I actually come up with the plan. I, I plan it all out or I put in a structure and then I turf it to my my team. And every single employee I have is responsible for one piece or a couple pieces of the marketing. So they all have vested interest in the marketing of the practice, and they actually get really excited when their piece that they have responsibility for and ownership of, you know, brings in a new patient or is responsible for, you know, a start or something. They they actually take ownership. So it's a new way of thinking. I I don't have quote unquote. I do not have a full time marketing director. I consider myself as the the vision for the marketing, and then each I have uh, nine employees. One of them is my lab tech, and she really doesn't do any of the marketing. But all other eight employees all have a piece of it, and it it ends up actually being a really good thing for our practice. They all take some ownership of it. So let's start with internal. And some of these, I call these. Um, internal strategies. I mean, some of you are like, well, we do all that right now, and I, I get that. I I don't know if you're emailing patients on a regular basis, but we have OrthoSesame. We use their um, email newsletter every quarter, but I think the thing that has been most effective are the emails that we send out, and I don't blast my patients with emails. Maybe we do one every other week, so maybe twice a month we do an email. And I'll share something with you that we just did um, Tuesday. We have the iTero now, and we just had uh, the training, and we're very excited about having the scanner. So I had an email that went out called No More Goop, No More Gagging, and that was the headline. So it was kind of a interesting headline. Basically just described this new technology that we had, and that was, you know, very basic email. This is our new technology so for, you know, people that are interested in Invisalign and we're worried about those, heard about those nasty PVS impressions, you know, we do have this technology. You don't have to have the goop and gag, you know, in our office. I actually yesterday had a patient come in who the email went to a, a patient of ours and she forwarded it to a friend of hers 
and that friend came in specifically because this email got forwarded, and she said, yes, my son, we've tried to take impressions before for, uh, in, in, not Invisalign, but he was going to get braces, and he couldn't even get the the impressions done for the braces for, with the alginate without, you know, gagging quite a bit. I guess it was a bad experience. And that one simple email generated a patient within 24 hours. So we use the emails creatively. I use them as education tools as well. Um, pending letters, um, we use these to let patients know um, that basically a pending letter is a patient maybe who came in and never started treatment. We keep them. We keep a list of those patients. We have a follow-up sequence. I'm not going to go into great detail on that in this uh, talk, but basically it's a very inexpensive way to touch base with those patients who maybe was, were in six months ago or even a year ago and let them know about some of the new things you're doing. Um, sometimes if the patient has, it's amazing how many times those patients really never got started with any treatment. And it could have been just a financial thing or something happened in their family's life at that moment. We'll have patients that we'll be sending letters to for literally five years and eventually call us and get started. So don't just, don't get rid of those patients right away. You know, follow up, send them letters, keep them in the loop, keep them in your email database. We ask for referrals. It's very easy to do. Patients are excited. It's a simple, wow, yeah, tell your friends about how great it is. You know, save your friends from the braces. And we've trained our staff to do this, and they're very comfortable doing it. It's not a, it's not something that they feel weird about. It's, just, it's kind of like a natural conversation you have when someone's so excited about how their teeth are lining up with aligners. We did put a practice book together with before and after photos of Invisalign patients. If you don't have, you know, your own patients that you can show off at this point, Invisalign, they have a great book that they that they just published recently, and we bought a bunch of them. They're, I think they're about $10. You can go on the um, practice development site and get them and use them f until you can generate enough photos to make your own book. But it's it's a great um, hardcover book that they put together. It's fantastic. And one thing that we do that has been an extreme, and this is, um, again, a printed newsletter. It is not the email newsletter. This is a custom practice newsletter that we publish every quarter that focuses on Invisalign and Invisalign Teen. It also focuses on the patients. It's not... It's a newsletter that, to be honest with you, it's mostly about the patient. So I may have like the front page of the newsletter might be some article on something related to orthodontics. Sometimes it's not even about Invisalign. It could be, you know, I did one recently on why children should be seen at age seven for their first in, uh, orthodontic consultation. But inside there might be a little blurb about, you know, our new scanner, or maybe we'll put a we'll put a, a photo of a patient who just finished their Invisalign, or we'll we will often list all the patients who just got finished with treatment, whether it was braces or Invisalign, and lots of photos. There'll be an article about a staff member. We put some um, recipes in there. We do some other quick little articles that you can really just get off the internet that are family-oriented kind of articles, and we send this to our entire database of uh, patients that are active and retention patients. So you ask, why? That seems like a lot of work. It really isn't. Um, I have somebody who, who lays it out for me. She does it on Publisher. We print it out on our, our – we have a very fancy copy machine, but you can take it to Kinko's or Staples, and they can do it for you. And then you can have a mail house just mail it for you. And we often will put a little flyer in there that might offer some sort of special or promo that you're offering that quarter. And patients literally come in with those newsletters. They're, they love them. We get compliments all the time about the newsletter, how fun it is. And we make it about the patient. It's not. It's very customized, so it's not one of those stock newsletters. And and it's a way to stay in touch with your patients, top of mind all the time. Your patients aren't walking around thinking about referring to you. So the newsletter helps. You know, another piece that's coming to them in the mail, very positive piece that they're seeing. And they may be taking it to the soccer field, reading it while their child's in practice, and before you know there's a conversation that, that strikes up and they're handing a newsletter. And we've had that happen where a mom handed a newsletter to another prospective patient. She came in, she had the newsletter. 
So those are some other and those are some internal strategies. And I, I also am a big uh, fan of what Invisalign offers. There's some free stuff. Use it. The teen video. You can if you have a, a, a some sort of a computer or some sort of TV in your reception area. We have um, the loop running, uh, not every day, but probably at least two times a week. We use some brochures. We we have the posters hanging. The, there's a bunch of really good stuff that Invisalign offers us to use. Use it. It's all uh, free. Internet. The Internet. Okay, so the Internet. Up until about 2008, we had one website, and it was okay at best. It was pretty boring. It was your typical, I call uh website brochure. Since that time, we have developed a whole internet marketing campaign using uh, updating our website, our practice website, and also um, bringing on some other sites that are Invisalign only. We have a dedicated Invisalign only website. We have a dedicated teen Invisalign website. We have before and after photos of Invisalign patients on our website. And I have somebody who spends a lot of time, um, I wouldn't say it's a lot of time, but she monthly is making sure that all our sites are optimized so that we show up on that first page of Google and that when patients or parents or prospective you know, patients are typing into Google and doing a search that our name shows up um, right away for them. So talk, the the marketing sites, the, the dedicated teen and the dedicated um, Invisalign sites, I, I use a company called Now Media Group. It's it's a done-for-you system, so it's not a lot of work, okay? It, in fact, there's like hardly any work other than sending maybe some photos and making sure the copy is the way you want it. But it's really important to, um, I think, try to snag, if you can, your little niche of your market because these are um, very site-specific. So this is one thing that we did immediately, and it really wasn't a whole lot of work on, on our part at all, getting those up. Social media. I, there's, I'm a <laughs> Facebook, I, it's here to stay. Like it or leave it, I don't know what to tell you, but it's here to stay. And we do have a fan page. I, had, um, I have a staff member who's totally in charge of the fan page. That is her job. And she is kind of one of those moms herself that's on Facebook every day. She's on it every day, she tells me. She loves it. You people have staff that are on Facebook every day, and you just need to get one of those team members um, setting up a fan page. If, if they can't set it up, there are people out there that can do it for you and then have that person go in and monitor it for you and do what needs to be done to interact on that fan page. I'm a big believer in blogs. Again, I I'm not I don't want to work that hard on this marketing. So I try to find a lot of um, things that are done for you. Okay, so you can have somebody set up a blog for you. It's not that hard. You can have your webmaster do it. If you want to do one that you can have probably done in 24 hours at minimal cost, I recommend DrBase.com. They're out of San Francisco. There's their number. You can go online. What's really cool about that particular blog is that they set it up for you, and then they have a way of generating reviews for you, which are also very helpful, as for some of you out there that know, those reviews are, I mean, they can be, you can get some reviews that aren't so good, I understand, but they have a way of monitoring those reviews for you that, so that you can respond to the to ones that maybe aren't, um, pleasant, but it's a great way to get reviews really quickly and boost your, um, again, boost your uh, website, boost your optimization. YouTube, get set yourself up a YouTube channel, set up a Twitter. You can, if you have a webmaster, they can certainly do these things for you. I, I know companies like Ortho Sesame will do that. I actually have a personal webmaster who manages all this for us, so it's not something I spend a lot of time on other than the occasional she's requesting maybe some video that we have to do or requesting maybe some content for the blog. But even that, with the doctor base, you, they do the writing for you. So you don't even have to write any articles. They they have a pre-done articles for you. Professional partner marketing. This is the third piece. And 
again, I go around the country talking about this, and I, I understand I've been in practice a long time, and certainly the the landscape changes when it comes to getting referrals from your professional partners. And these could be your general dental colleagues and their teams, so their hygienists, their assistants. It could also be some other healthcare providers, chiropractors, uh, pediatricians. It could be plastic surgeons that you have a relationship with. So anyway, I just am a big fan of continuing to target those those healthcare providers and really making sure that you're connecting with them on a regular basis. We do some dinner seminars. Some of those seminars are um, dental-related. They may be an Invisalign seminar. Um, I have my accountant coming in in February, and he's going to give a talk on how to auto-proof your uh, QuickBooks. And, that, you know, he's done topics for me before on embezzlement, and they're very well attended. We do those seminars actually in our office because I have a very large reception area, but certainly you can go to a local restaurant and for a very minimal cost invite these team members and the dentists, and it's just a great way to connect with the community that it, where you're located. Uh, offer help or advise on Invisalign cases. Again, controversy here. I, I believe in abundance. I believe the world's a big place, and there, everybody really needs Invisalign. So it's just a matter of um, getting those patients to raise their hand and, and say, I, I want it, and, and comes to see you, but they're not all going to come to see you. But certainly you can show, you can help your colleagues who maybe are dabbling in Invisalign and help them. I don't run a study club or anything. My my, It's more of one-on-one. -on -one. I have a handful of some uh, general dentists that I work one-on-one -on -one with, and they literally have gotten to the point where they just send me a um, an email, and they'll ask me to even look at a case um, on their site just to make sure that it's not over their head, you know, and I'll end up uh, many times, you know, I'll be, they trust me now They're I'm honest with them and I'll say, no, I think that's going to be a lot harder than you realize and, and they'll refer it over to me. So again, just a great way to show some goodwill, um, think abundantly and offer to help some of your colleagues. We do VIP events. I'm sure a lot of you, you know, out there do these things. We treat some of our referring doctors uh, and their teams for lab fee only. And one of the things I do that has been a great way to connect with um, Dennis is to uh, do a mastermind group. I've, I've been in several mastermind groups myself that were, I was the only dentist in the group. It was more of a, a, a group of business owners. The groups that I, I operate now are all dentists and we meet monthly. And it's a great way to mentor some of the newer uh, doctors maybe that have come into town and have set up practices. And if you can help them uh, achieve success and help them with grow their practices, there's the whole uh, reciprocity uh, focus that comes into play. And it ends up you develop some really close relationships and ultimately um, some really strong referrals. So that's kind of the top things that we do in the professional partner marketing. And then the very last piece is external. And this is where it can get a little expensive, okay? Direct mail. I've used direct mail. I don't use it all the time. When we do use it, I'm, I really am very particular about the piece that goes out. I spend some time with the graphic designer really making sure that we got a piece that's going to you know, get the phone ringing, and I don't have time to go into what those pieces look like or what you need to have in the direct mail. I will show you a, a sample of one thing we did do that was pretty successful. I do some ads in smaller local newspapers, things that are in maybe a gated community kinds of newsletters, not like a big paper that is has 10,000 ads in it. Advertorials are kind of like an ad that it looks like an interview. I've done several of those, and some of our local papers worked out great. I'm a big fan of the Chamber. We try to participate in any of their business expos by renting a booth. Again, sometimes you'll feel like, gosh, I spent a lot of time at this booth and didn't really get a whole lot of value, but it's a great way just to get out in the community. Radio, we've done some radio. Again, I'm not going to go into detail here. It can work. It certainly can work. There is some techniques involved in making sure that um, the message gets across to the right market. And I 
did um, write a book, and I'm going to show that to you in a second, but let me just show you these. Uh, that was one of my direct mail pieces, braces are out, Invisalign is in. That was one piece that we used, and it worked very nicely for us. Um, this is an advertorial. It's basically a paid ad that looks like an interview. It's kind of a Q&A. What, it, what is it about Invisalign? And then the book I wrote is Healthy and Beautiful at Any Age. I use this as a new patient gift to the parents, and it's about 100 pages. It's basically written in very easy-to-read language, you know, everything you need to know from, you know, why do you need, like, what is an orthodontist and, you know, who are orthodontists, and it ends with, you know, why do I need to wear retainers and everything in between. And when we hand parents this book at the end of our new patient exam, they're pretty blown away because um, it's just a nice gift. And we always say, you know, when you're done reading it, pass it on to other, you know, friends and family members because it has some great information in it. So we use the book for some uh, free press and publicity. We use it to get speaking engagements. I leave it in some of my local daycares and spas uh, as those people are in there, you know, parents sitting, waiting, reading the book. So those are some ideas that you can use. I love the fact that Invisalign is spending a ton of money on uh, marketing because I don't have a million. I don't have a million dollars to spend. I, I, I certainly don't have ten million, and it is just uh, one of those ways that you can kind of tag along that brand that they've set. When we first started doing Invisalign, you know, back in 1999, no one knew what we were talking about. And actually, honestly, up until probably even five years ago, it would still require a lot of education, whereas now pretty much everybody that comes in has heard about it, has seen an ad somewhere, whether it was TV or maybe they heard it from a friend or they saw it in a print uh, publication. They all know about it. So Invisalign's done a good job of branding themselves and might as well tag along with that money. So... Uh, at this point, you know, this is where I say, okay, you know, so you, you've kind of gotten some insight on why we did it and then some insight on how it changed the practice and then the last was um, some, you know, how. How did we do it? And I, I kind of gave you a very nice overview. So the question for you is uh, why and when? And there is a belief system that has to probably change a little bit about how teeth move and how um, you're, you want your practice to look like. Because if you start having an Invisalign-focused practice, it's going to change the it's going to change your practice uh, dynamics. And this elephant, if you know the story, when el baby elephants are born, they put a little chain around their ankles to kind of corral them and keep them in their little area. And when they grow up to be big adult elephants, that little chain is still around them. And honestly, they can break through that chain, but they don't. And and that could be some of us. I mean, are we tied down to certain beliefs that we can't break free from because we're tied down by this, you know, chain, this little chain that's holding us back? And I know there's some objections out there. Um, I And I, I had all these, every single one of them. I, I actually, I, and I wrote them down because I had them. And I, I'm not going to go into all of them today because I think some of it requires some education on your part to understand that teens will wear them. The adults will wear them. I think the teens actually do better than the adults. Um, you can handle more difficult cases. You don't need to do a ton of IPR. We only use IPR when needed and mostly for two size discrepancies. Um, I know that you know, there is an issue with time. I get that. I I I am a mom of two teenagers, multiple practices, and I understand the continuing education issues. That's why you can just go online and do it at home. I understand the clin checks, you know, do take some time. So some of this you have to work through yourself and feel like, okay, your why, the why that you want to do this is bigger than some of these objections. And I'm going to just address maybe the last one about the lab fee. And there is the Advantage program. Some of you are familiar with it, maybe not. But depending on what level you are and how many cases you do, there is a, a rebate check. So at the 
Advantage program where you're a premier provider, you're going to get a quarterly rebate of about $3,000, which, you know, can offset some of that lab bill. It gets much more exciting at the elite level, and that's one of the areas that we were really focused on because your quarterly rebate's a little over $11,000, and that money can be used any way you want. It, it lowers your uh, lab cost um, if you just turn that money around and just use it to pay off your lab bill. It gets a little bit more interesting at that top level or the super elite or the top 1% when you're getting an annual rebate or a quarterly rebate of $24,000. And the effective lab cost drops down to about $1,000. And another way I look at it is like, okay, Invisalign is spending $10 million a year on marketing. They don't make any money on marketing. They make money on aligners. So I, I look at the lab costs not only as – um, obviously, the, what I need to pay in order to get my aligners, but I also look at it, a percent of it as a marketing because Invisalign is doing a lot of the marketing for me. So even though you know you sit there and think, gosh, that lab fee is very high, part of at least about 10% of it we attribute it to straight marketing costs because Invisalign is spending a ton of money, and that's helping us get those patients in the door. So here is you know again the lab fee. I know there's people who use incognito, we were using those for quite a while and discovered patients really didn't like those lingual braces that much. Um, sure Smile Insignia, there's also costs involved. There's So there are, you know, it's gotten more and more expensive just to even do fixed appliances. And so it starts to even out almost at some level between, especially when you get to the higher levels with Invisalign. I just want to say you know, what direction are you going? I, I Depending on where you are in your practice, you got on this call today, you definitely have an interest in learning more about Invisalign and what it can do for your practice. So what direction are you going? And I, again, I'm a, I love to read. It's my, one of my, besides travel, I would say reading is uh, probably up there in the top five passions that I have. Malcolm Gladwell, if you haven't read this, it's a great book. And Outliers are those who have been given opportunities and who have had the strength and presence of mind to seize them. I highly recommend the book. And it's, you know, the question I have for you, are you an outlier? Do you see this opportunity and are you ready to, are you ready to go for it? And um, one of my favorite actors, Clint Eastwood, he's asking you, are you going to do something? <laughs> so what do you plan to do? And that's the last question I'm going to uh, basically leave you with. I am going to share with you some resources, though, to help you. And I, the, the whole practice development, uh, Invisalign, you know, just go on their site. You'll see that they have a practice development section. There's tons of phenomenal things to help you. There's videos. There's a lot of free stuff. And I highly suggest you kind of spend a little time just kind of surfing in there and see what they have. Obviously, the continuing education, I've talked about that before. I have a website I put together mostly for my mastermind group, but I have since put on a lot of my uh, marks. I've been doing some study clubs, and a lot of the docs are asking me for copies of some of the ads that I run. So what I did for everybody is I put on my website there, drdonaglanti.com, there's a products tab, and under that products tab, there's a free PDF download. You just have to enter some information, and you'll get an instant download of samples of some of the the ads I've run and some of the marketing tools that I use, and that can use, you know, obviously, you know, you'll have to change my photo out or some of the things that we use, but I'm happy to share that with you, and you can swipe and deploy as you see fit. And then if you're interested in learning more about the mastermind groups I do, I actually developed kind of a turnkey program for leadership and practice development. So what happens is you're the leader, you lead it, and as you're leading it, you know, the teacher always learns as much or more than the student. You'll develop your leadership skills, you'll you basically grow your own practice, but you'll also help some other colleagues in your community develop good leadership skills build their practices, and feel and, and really build a strong referral base because the group becomes very tight. And you can learn more by going to that website. So I want to just um, thank you for really taking the time 
to uh, listen to this webinar today. I really appreciate your time. I know everyone out there, we're all super busy, and some for some of you, you know, you took out time for maybe a, a Friday that you're usually free. So I, I'm really honored that you'd be willing to spend an hour or, or a little bit more with me. And I, I hope that you enjoyed this um, webinar and that uh, maybe I sparked some thoughts in your head that you'll start to think about how you can incorporate Invisalign into your practice. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Galante. I want to thank you for a fantastic presentation. We had a couple questions um, asking specific clinical questions about cases, and I just want to remind uh, for any of the Invisalign providers out there, you can call Alliance Customer Care at 888-822-5446 and uh, be connected with somebody from our clinical hotline. Um, that's the best uh, route to go if you have uh, clinical, specific clinical questions about cases. And we hope to see you for our next Ask the Expert webinar.